You're listening to the sermon audio from Redemption Church. Redemption Church exists to exalt Christ, edify the saints, and evangelize the world for the glory of God. For more information on Redemption Church, just go to redemption.church. said, I am Chris. I am not Pastor Justin. Uh, they are out of town, and I'm very thankful and humbled and excited to bring God's Word to you this morning. Uh, we will be in Psalm 115. If you would like to turn there, I'll give you a moment, and we will read God's Word together. Psalm 115, starting from verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for a beautiful moment of musical worship with singing songs that glorify you and praise you and point us to you this morning, Lord. I pray we continue to do so as we hear from your word, Lord, that you would give me the words, God, that you would give me uh, the heart to pour out your word and your love through this sermon this morning, God. Father, what we know not, please teach us. What we have not, please would you give to us. What we are not, would you please make us. God, we lift this up in your holy and precious name. Amen. When I was about 17, I felt uh, the Lord calling me to go into ministry. I didn't really know what that looked like at the time. I didn't know what necessarily I was going to pursue. I didn't really even know what it meant to go into ministry. That was just kind of the lingo that was getting thrown around by other pastors and men that I was was learning from and sitting under and being mentored by. Uh, But it didn't really click that I could pursue something like uh, youth ministry or musical worship ministry and make a career out of it until probably a year or so later. Um, I cannot narrow down a defined life-altering moment, such as the day that I know I was saved and the day that I knew for sure I wanted to go into ministry, but at one point uh, it just clicked and it made sense that I could take my love for music and that I could take uh, my skill of playing guitar and leading worship uh, and turn that into a career. And from that moment on, it was my goal to take and use my love for God and take and use my love and talents and music and worship leading and get on staff at a church one day as a worship leader. And here we are. And I am so thankful for that. But I do want to ask us a few questions this morning before we get started. What is worship? How would you define worship? Is it merely the musical side of a corporate worship service? Or is it every single minute detail that goes into playing a corporate worship service? Maybe it's a lifestyle that should be on display throughout the week. 
These, as well as many others, are very important questions that should be asked when the word worship is used. Uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary offers two definitions for worship. The first, to honor and show reverence for a divine being or supernatural power. And the second, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. That first one again is to honor or show reverence for a divine being or supernatural power. And the second, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. What I found most interesting with this second uh, definition is the example that was used. The example was uh, a celebrity worshipped by her fans. You see, worship is applied to more than a religious adoration in the fallen, sinful world that we live in. If we aren't careful, worship can quickly turn into idolizing something that distracts us from our heavenly worship. Before we do go much further, I want to pose uh, a definition that I uh, came across as I was reading and doing research and spending time in my own private worship this week. Worship is the exalting and the exaltation of Christ. Worship is the exalting and the exaltation of Christ. Exalt and exalt are two very similar words. The only difference is the letter that's in the middle of each word, but they have two distinct meanings. To exalt is to be extremely joyful. To exalt is to elevate, raise, or lift up something high. To break down this definition I just provided a little further into more words, our worship ought to consist of being extremely joyful in the elevating, raising, and or lifting up of Christ. Though we see this exalting in the exaltation of Christ all throughout Scripture this morning, we will specifically look at the worshipful culmination of the Psalms that is found in the Psalm we just read, Psalm 150. The Psalms are broken up into five different books. Book one consists of Psalm 1 through 41. Book two consists of Psalms 42 through 72. Book three has Psalms 73 through 89. Book four includes Psalms 90 through 106, and book 5 is Psalms 107 through 150. Each book, as it comes to a conclusion, has a moment of doxology in about a verse or two before the next book continues. However, the Psalms that we see in book 5 consist mostly of Psalms of worship, praise, and adoration. So we essentially have an entire book of doxology towards the end of the Psalms. At our most recent prayer meeting just a few weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 107, which spurs the reader to give thanks for all that the Lord has done for us. Last week in Pastor Justin's sermon, we looked at Psalm 118, which is a psalm that sings praises to God for the sending, suffering, resurrecting, and ascending of King Jesus. The psalm just before it, Psalm 117, is essentially a prelude to Psalm 118, as it consists of only two verses that simply praise God for his steadfast love and his faithfulness. I could continue to go on and just reflect on the psalms that are a part of Book 5, but I do want to get 
to the psalm that is before us this morning, which is Psalm 150. As I previously stated, this psalm is the culmination of Book 5 of the Psalms and the Psalter as a whole. It gives us some instruction on how we should conduct our praise. And I think as we begin a new year, what better way to spend time in a corporate worship service than merely praising God through psalm and through scripture and through a psalm that points us to praising the King. We will see five different aspects of worship this morning. The first being the whom of worship. The second, the where of worship. Third, the why of worship. Fourth, the how of worship. And fifthly and finally, the who of worship. So, in good Pastor Justin fashion, our sermon summary this morning is let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So first we will look at the whom of worship this morning. Whom is it that we worship? The good Sunday school answer, of course, is God or Jesus, and these are indeed correct answers. However, as we previously mentioned, our culture has distorted what worship is and what the object of our worship ought to be. As Christians, we know that the object of our worship is King Jesus, the Messiah that the Psalms of our Christmas series points to. The Jesus that the Christmas season draws us to reflect and dwell on despite the over-materialization of our culture that has turned Christmas into. The Jesus that died on the cross and bore the wrath of God for the sins of man so that we may have a relationship with him. The Jesus that resurrected and ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of the Father. This is whom we worship. Honestly, we could go on and just spend the rest of our time reflecting on the Trinity and reflecting on all that they've done throughout Scripture and even throughout church history and even today. But I do want to keep moving forward. In a few moments, we will look at the why of our worship in Jesus, but I do want to make something clear from the beginning. The Gospel of John tells us, God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus, God's son, God incarnate, came to the world to die and save sinners just like you and me. And not because he wanted to, but because God loves us that much. He loves the sinful, unfaithful, adulterous people that we are. Pastor Justin said it beautifully last week in his sermon. Our salvation is utterly undeserved. God is not obligated to reply to the hosannas of his people. Yet Jesus has saved us, even in our rebellion and sin, because he loves his people. He washes us clean. This is whom we worship. Secondly, we see the where of worship. In the first verse of Psalm 150, we see instruction to praise God in his sanctuary and in his mighty heavens. This gives us insight into two things. The first, where God is, and the second, where we ought to worship. The original Hebrew uses the word rakai, in for sanctuary and mighty heavens, which ultimately translates to expanse or the expanse of heaven. 
God rules from his heavenly kingdom and has called worshipers in the earthly and heavenly places to worship him. The call is placed in Psalm 150, verse 2, for God's earthly and heavenly worshipers to revere him by looking to his dwelling place and singing his endless and glorious praise. God's glory fills the earth, and his praise must do no less. At the time of writing the psalm, it was most likely the thought that this worship would take place in the temple. During the Old Testament times, God's people would only commune, would only be able to commune with him either through the tabernacle or through the temple, and only after a certain number of procedures and rituals were completed. However, by God's beautiful, wonder, wondrous, and glorious grace, Jesus died on the cross and uttered the words, It is finished. Upon this statement, the veil in the temple was torn in two, and this signifies that we are now able to commune with God anywhere and everywhere. We have this freedom to worship wherever we are able to draw breath, whether it be in our homes for our own private worship, whether it be in a small school building in Wilson, North Carolina, in the extravagant Sistine Chapel of Vatican City, or in a secret house church in a country that is deemed a Christian illegal. The beautiful point that I'm trying to make is that since we are on this side of Jesus's resurrection and ascension, our worship is not confined to a specific location or a specific, or a specific set of rules and regulations that need to be followed. We can gaze in awe and adoration up to the heavens wherever we please and sing God's praises until our voices give out, if we so please. This is where we worship. Thirdly, in verse 2, we see the why of worship. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. If we're honest, we have a multitude of reasons to worship God. From the fact that he chose to create the world despite knowing it would fall and turn further and further and further from him. From the outpouring of undeserved grace, mercy, and love throughout human history, to the sending of his Son to earth to bear the Father's wrath in our place. We ultimately see two overarching reasons to why we should worship God. First, for his mighty deeds, and second, because of his excellent greatness. A beautiful reality of living in the time after the canon of Scripture was completed is that we know what took place after the Old Testament was completed. We get to read the Messianic prophecies that are scattered throughout the Old Testament. We're able to turn past the book of Malachi, which is the last book in our Old Testament canon, and turn to Matthew chapter 1. And we immediately see the genealogy of Jesus in the first gospel birth account of Jesus. In many ways, there are so many more mighty deeds that the Lord has done since the writing of this psalm that we are able to reflect on and praise him for. Even after such a year as chaotic and uncertain and unknown as 2020, even going into the unknown of 2021, 
We have so much to be thankful for and give God praise for. And if this is a reality that you struggle to accept or believe, I would strongly encourage and enjoy talking with you more or talking with someone that understands God's sovereignty and God's goodness, even amidst the suffering. The second reason we see uh, reason to praise God in this verse, according to this psalm, is for his excellent greatness. Let us sit and dwell in that statement for just a moment. His excellent greatness. They may seem just like a few words put together, but if we dig deep and dissect and try to understand what God's excellent greatness is, it can quickly become overwhelming just to see all that God has done and to see all that God has done for us and will continue to do for us. It is God's excellent greatness that created the world ex nihilo, out of nothing. It is this greatness that formed Adam out of dust and formed Eve from Adam's rib. It is this greatness that foretold of Jesus' coming in Genesis chapter 3. It is this greatness that called Noah to build an ark not near any major body of water. It is this greatness that promised Abraham he would be the father of nations even in his old age and when he had no children at the time. It is this greatness that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for their wickedness. It is this greatness that brought Israel out of Egyptian slavery into the promised land. It is this greatness that experienced Israel's continued rebellion and idolatry and adultery yet still poured out undeserved grace, mercy, and love. It is this greatness that chose to send Jesus to die for the sins of man. It is this same greatness that hung on the cross 2,000 years ago, knowing of our own future sinfulness, idolatry, and adultery. It is this same excellent greatness that, that answers our cries of Hosanna, Lord, save us, we pray, and lovingly answers those cries, even when we are so utterly undeserving of it. It is because of this excellent greatness that we should constantly worship our King. And oh, how amazing that greatness is. In verses 3 through 5, we fourthly see how we should worship Him. While we only see the instruction of using musical instruments to praise God, the overall emphasis is that we should praise God with everything that we have. From the trumpet used to mark the year of Jubilee, to the tambourine and dancing, yes, dancing, to mark joyous celebrations, to the sounding of loud clashing cymbals, and every church drummer said, Amen. <laughs> In his commentary on the book of Psalms, John Calvin made this statement about these verses. The psalmist, therefore, in exhorting believers to pour forth all their joy in the praise of God, enumerates one upon another all the musical instruments which were then in use and reminds them that they ought all to be consecrated to the worship of God. However, our praise should not and cannot be limited to musical worship. 
Early on in my worship leading career, I understood and came to the realization that worship isn't just the musical aspect of a church service. It is by God's wonderful grace that the entirety of our corporate gatherings are worship. It is hopefully the way that we live our own lives that is an act of worship. After all, worship is the exalting and the exaltation of Christ. As I just said, it is not the musical side of a church service. And let's face it, there are so many wonderful brothers and sisters in our church and in the bigger church body of God's family that are gifted in areas other than music. And in some ways, we are very thankful for that <laughs> for a multitude of reasons. If I may be so bold for our own context, for our own context, verses three through five could also mean praise him with teaching the next generation. Praise him with waiting tables at a restaurant. Praise him with loving and serving your family at home. Praise him with working at BPT or Truist or whatever his name is now. I can't keep going. <laughs> I say this as no attempt to rewrite scripture. I hope that is clear. Uh, but to emphasize that our worship is not restricted to musical worship. We should praise God in any way possible. I am constantly in prayer over my own life and the life of Redemption Church that our very existence would be an act of worship and that our culture and community would see a glimpse of Jesus whenever they interact with our covenant family. I do, however, want to speak briefly into the music ministry at Redemption Church since I am the worship leader and not a consistent preacher of the word. Uh, as a church, we place a strong focus on congregational singing. Hopefully you took note of it this morning, but we sang very loudly. Uh, if you were unable to hear it on our live stream, you are truly missing out. Um, but we also understand the safety of viewing from home during this time. And we have been few in number over the past few weeks. So I hope and pray that as you've been with us in person, as you maybe even hear it over the live stream, that you experienced what we experienced this morning of a loud, bold, joyful noise that is made unto the Lord, as several psalms encourage us to do. There is no plan to change that as we move forward. Uh, Lord willing, as our church grows, our music ministry will continue to grow. Uh, as we get into a permanent home in the future, my hope and plan and goal is that you'll see a few more, a few new instruments on stage that will only continue to excel us and propel us into loud, bold, joyous congregational singing that we hold near and dear to Redemption Church. As a worship leader, it is one of my absolute favorite noises in the world to hear God's people singing out, whether it be on a corporate uh, church gathering on a Sunday morning, at a youth retreat conference, at a big collegiate conference of college students worshiping and praising, or even just praising God in my own home and hearing my wife sing, hear our daughter try to sing. <laughs> <laughs> the loud, bold, joyous singing. There we go. <laughs> uh, the loud, joyful, 
Uh, bold singing of Redemption Church is something that I love dearly, and it is something that has made a lasting impression on me ever since I first fled at Redemption just a few years ago. I'll often talk with some of my worship leader friends about how loudly Redemption Church sings on Sunday mornings. Like, man, that is so awesome. I try hard to get my congregation to sing out, and for whatever reason, they don't like it. So I thank you so much for singing out. It makes my job that much more joyful and that much easier. At Redemption, we also sing uh, a mixture of older and newer songs and a more contemporary style. I try to think through songs um, as I introduce as as I think through songs to introduce to our church. I try very hard to find uh, and select songs that are filled with robust and edifying lyrics that are beneficial for congregational singing. Again, because I love hearing you all sing out so so much. We seek to sing songs that point us more and more to King Jesus to sing songs that encourage us and edify us and unify us as a church body around the gospel, and to even worship through songs of lament and understand that it is okay to worship even when you are hurting. This is how we worship. Finally, in verse 6, we see who ought to be worshiping. The psalmist lays it out plain and simple. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. While this psalm is not very descriptive uh, in regards to who should go about bringing the praise, other psalms go as far excuse me, to include all living creatures, the weather, and nature, as we see in Psalm 148. And Psalm 8 even declares that the mouths of babes, babes and infants declare God's praise. When I read verses such as verse 6 in Psalm 115, I cannot help but think of other passages of Scripture that tell of the nations singing praises to God the Father and God the Son. Psalm 46.10 is the well-known verse, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The book of Revelation records many wondrous and even bizarre things that are often confusing to interpret, but there are several passages that make it clear that the nations will bow down and worship King Jesus. Revelation 5, verse 11 through 14 says this. John records, Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. A couple of chapters later, John records in Revelation 7, verses 9 through 12, which was our corporate scripture reading this morning. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from 
all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Scripture tells us of a time where every tribe, tongue, and nation will praise King Jesus. Let us continue to heed this instruction from this psalm as Redemption Church uses every breath that we have to praise the Lord. If you do not know the Lord, King Jesus, our King and Savior, whether you are in this room or tuning in on our live stream, I do want to make a final plea and invitation to come taste and see that the Lord is so, so good. Come know him and commune with him and worship him willingly and joyfully before the day of his second coming, where all will bow before him one way or another. If you would like to talk about what it means to make Jesus your Lord and King, come find me, come find another church member, come find one of our pastors after service. Uh, I promise you that any one of us in this room that knows King Jesus will love to talk with you and tell you more about him. So in closing, we have much to be thankful for. We have much to give God praise for. We have seen throughout this psalm the whom of worship, the where of worship, the why of worship, the how of worship, and the who of worship. As we begin this new year, let us not forget all that God has done, and let us eagerly anticipate all that he is about to do. A time is coming where everything that draws breath will praise the Lord, one way or another. But until that day comes, may we, as a covenant church family, as sons and daughters of the King, continue in our constant exalting in the exaltation of Christ as we endlessly praise our glorious King. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this time this morning to worship through song, through your word, God, through being able to commune together as a body of believers. God, I lift us up as we begin 2021, that everything that has breath will praise you. God, that those that do not know you would come to experience you. God, that those that do know you continue to worship you continue to grow louder and bolder and more joyous in their worship. Father, I pray for us as a church as we continue to minister your gospel to the city of Wilson and its surrounding communities. God, that we would keep you at the forefront of our mind. God, that we would know you are sovereign and in control of all things and you know what this year has in store for us and for your kingdom. God, we praise you this morning with everything that we have, with every breath that you grace us with. Father, we lift this up in your holy and precious name. Amen.